Welcome to the E-Success Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 196, Kaizen and the Art of Everything, Part 2, Journey Through Gumption, I read more passages from Robert Persig's iconic book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and elaborate on how these same messages apply in business, and more specifically, Lean Six Sigma. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast, Table of Contents, at esuccess-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. You know, we started this podcast because so many black belts and green belts, what I was finding is they get out of their training, they're really overwhelmed with the information, and they're just kind of like left a little bit empty, wondering, okay, what's next? Chances are many organizations that have just started the program don't have that flexibility or luxury of having a mentor kind of reinforces or gives some, how do you say, confirmation to, hey, what I'm hearing or what I'm doing actually makes sense, or this is what I'm struggling with, and that's common, so that's fine. So that's why you and I are here each week to be their regular coaches. So we're going to continue to support all of you guys who are listening so long as you continue to support us. We really appreciate you joining us on our journey. Tell your friends and colleagues all about us. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review to help us reach more Lean Six Sigma and quality professionals. You can search for eSuccess Methods Podcast in the search field on iTunes, or you can find us under the Business and Career section. And uh, by all means, keep listening. We have lots more coming. And if you ever have feedback or ever have some comments or even if you need a quick coaching tip, feel free to reach out on our website, eSuccessMethods.com. Kaizen and the Art of Everything, Part 2, Journey Through Gumption. More excerpts from Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Robert Persig. Fill up with gumption. I like the word gumption because it's so homely and so forlorn and so out of style it looks as if it needs a friend and isn't likely to reject anyone who comes along. It's an old Scottish word, once used a lot by pioneers, but which, like in, seems to have dropped out of use. I like it also because it describes exactly what happens to someone who connects with quality. He gets filled with gumption. The Greeks called it enthusiasmos, the root of enthusiasm which means literally filled with theos, or God, or quality. See how that fits? A person filled with gumption doesn't sit around, dissipating and stewing about things. He's at the front of the train of his own awareness, watching to see what's up the track, and meeting it when it comes. That's gumption. If you're going to repair a motorcycle, an adequate supply of gumption is the first and most important tool. If you haven't got that, you might as well gather up all the other tools and put them away, because they won't do you any good. Gumption is the psychic gasoline that keeps the whole thing going. If you haven't got it, there's no way the motorcycle can possibly be fixed. But if you have got it, and know how to keep it, there's absolutely no way in this whole world that the motorcycle can keep from getting fixed. It's bound to happen. Therefore, the thing that must be monitored at all times and preserved before anything else is gumption. My commentary. Call it gumption, call it moxie, grit, pride, love, or drive— It's what keeps people coming through the work doors every day. It's what people who hate the journey use to keep on going. Think about that last line. Gumption, it's the thing that must be monitored at all times and preserved before anything else. As a trainer, it's not enough for me to deliver content and knowledge. Or or as a podcaster, I must also feed gumption. Gumption keeps engaged and learning. Gumption keeps people 
coming back keeps the podcast growing. But on a trainer side, it keeps people coming back during the break. As a project manager, I need to feed gumption of the team members or subject matter experts. People are already sort of protecting their gumption. Maybe call it ego at that point. They're already protecting it, thinking, I'll take it away. I'm not going to take away anybody's gumption. But what I really need to do is give them more gumption. I need to feed their gumption because there may be a time when I need to borrow some of that gumption back. So uh, give them some extra beyond what they have. Give them a surplus because I may need to borrow some of that later. Sometimes it's considered a bank account or a social account. I need to give before I can take away. And gumption is one of those things. Black belts. Black belts, you, if you're going to be a black belt, you're going to need to bring your own gumption because there's not a lot of people who are going to feed yours. You will face countless obstacles in your business, and really it's going to be the gumption, your own moxie or grit, that's going to get you through. That's why, personally, whenever I train black belts, I am looking, where I have the freedom to screen, I am looking for that gumption. That is my number one criteria. What will make this person successful it's not the tools. It's not the tactics. It's certainly not what you find in the book. It's the gumption. Uh, that's why I adopted the motto of I help superstars take flight. Basically means, hey, bring your own gumption. I'll give you some tools, and those two together can help you be help you be the superstar of your career, superstar of your own story. Avoid the value rigidity trap. As the course description of gumptionology indicated, this internal part of the field can be broken down into three main types of internal gumption traps. Those that block effective understanding, called value traps. Those that block cognitive understanding, called truth traps. And those that block psychomotor behavior, called muscle traps. The value traps are by far the largest and the most dangerous group. Of the value traps, the most widespread and pernicious is value rigidity. This is the inability to revalue what one sees because of commitment to previous values. In motorcycle maintenance, you must rediscover what you do as you go. Rigid values make this impossible. The typical situation is that the motorcycle doesn't work. The facts are there, but you don't see them. You look right at them, but they don't yet have enough value. This is what Phaedrus was talking about. Quality and value creates the subjects and objects of the world. Facts do not exist until the value has created them. If your values are rigid, you can't really learn new facts. This often shows up in premature diagnosis, when you're sure you know what the trouble is, and then, when it isn't, you're stuck. Then you've got to find some new clues. But before you can find them, you've got to clear your head of old opinions. If you're plagued with value rigidity, you can fail to see the real answer when it's staring you right in the face, because you can't see the new answer's importance. To me, this sounds an awful lot like ego, but it's, it's more external. The trap comes when nothing fits the existing model. You have your own set of values and what you see and all the inputs that you are taking in, they're just not fitting that. So when it doesn't fit the existing model, you need to either subconsciously or consciously create a new model to make sense of it. In root cause analysis, this is when you might abandon your pre preconceived notions, thinking you know the answer because you've seen it all before. I've been there. I've fallen into this trap for sure. One of the products that I was as a quality manager that a, we had a customer complaint, the product was growing stuff. So I, uh, I commissioned several tests to see what was going on. And my presumption was that it was bacteria, right? It seemed to be growing, but it was further than that. It was bacteria in the, in the deionized water lines because 
I had seen it before. <laughs> and uh, so some tests that we did, they did support the idea that bacteria was there, and but but some did not. So we actually had some conflicting results, and there was a mix of, if you go back to the last episode on Kaizen and the Art of Everything, this was a mix of moo results and, and red herrings. The engineering manager and I were pretty much at odds, and she was in charge of the DI water, the deionized water, and insisted it was not the water, there was no bacteria in the water, because she had it cleaned and tested every year. And she was not giving me concrete evidence. She was pretty much just saying, hey, I told you it's not in the water, just take my word for it. And uh, I didn't do that, and I don't really do that, it's, you know, bring evidence. Um, but it <laughs> turns out I was wrong. Um, the It was not in the DI water, and it really was not even bacteria, but it was crystallized impurities that seemed to resemble bacteria with how they agglomerated, how they all came together. And really the point of, the, of this one is it, it wasn't me who solved the problem. It wasn't the engineering manager who solved the problem. It wasn't the engineer who was assigned to solve the problem who solved the problem or by anybody else who should have solved the problem. Any, anybody else who was really an expert in this process. It was solved by the newest, least rigid person to join the company. And the one I hired because of her gumption. And I urge you to revisit episode 153 for Yelena's story, because Yelena solved it. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you haven't checked it out already, be sure to go to our product page at e6s-methods.com. You'll find an assortment of unique templates and tools to help you, the practitioner, be more effective in your work. From a SWOT analysis to our most popular cross-training matrix or our proprietary consultant's companion to our action register with automated risk alerts, you'll find these tools useful. If you don't, just ask for a refund. No hassle, no expiration. What makes these templates so special? It's simple. They already exist. They're easy to use, and they work. You'll save hours or even days developing and formatting your own templates, all while helping to fund this free podcast. Check it out. Getting back to Robert Persig. I sat in the grass with him at the shoulder of the road, defeated, staring into the trees and underbrush. I answered all of Chris's questions patiently, and in time, they became fewer and fewer. And then Chris finally understood that our cycle trip was really over and began to cry. He was eight then, I think. We hitchhiked back to our own city and rented a trailer and put it on our car and came up and got the cycle and hauled back to our own city and then started out all over again by car. But it wasn't the same, and we didn't really enjoy ourselves much. This passage came early on in the book where they started on their motorcycle trip and they ended up having an issue and they stopped it, so... Chris, who was the author's son, who was out on this trip with him, um, was very upset by this. Two weeks after the vacation was over, one evening after work, I removed the carburetor to see what was wrong, but still couldn't find anything. To clean off the grease before replacing it, I turned the stopcock on the tank for a little gas. Nothing came out. The tank was out of gas. I couldn't believe it. I can still hardly believe it. I have kicked myself mentally a hundred times for that stupidity and don't think I'll ever really finally get over it. Evidently, what I saw sloshing around was in the gas reserve tank, which I had never turned on. 
I didn't check it carefully before, because I assumed the rain had caused the engine failure. I didn't understand then how foolish quick assumptions like that are. Now we are on a 28-horse machine, and I take the maintenance of it very seriously. So think about checking assumptions, and that is really the, the premise of value rigidity. What are our biases? Am I being too rigid in my values? Is it keeping me from opening up and perceiving the inputs that are telling me something different? That is the real question. Consider taking a look at episode 163, Think Opposite, with Alice and Donaghy. Where else are we having these value rigidity traps? And if you find one, just for a moment, think opposite. Prepare a ready mind. When beginning a repair job, you can list everything you're going to do on little slips of paper, which you then organize into proper sequence. You discover that you organize and then reorganize the sequence again and again as more and more ideas come to you. The time spent this way usually more than pays for itself in time saved on the machine and prevents you from doing fidgety things that can create problems later. You can reduce your anxiety somewhat by facing the fact that there isn't a mechanic alive who doesn't louse up a job once in a while. The main difference between you and the commercial mechanics is that when they do it, you don't hear about it. Just pay for it. And additional costs prorated through all your bills. When you make the mistakes yourself, you at least get the benefit of some education. This approach sounds pretty similar to project planning, creating a work breakdown structure and network diagram and a little bit some agile user stories. So included links to this. This is all about breaking down where it can do bite-sized chunks and then putting them in order. Some links related to this. Episode 39, work breakdown structure. 41, same thing. 98, network diagramming. And 178 and 179, agile requirements gathering. User stories, part one and two. And scale it down. Impatience is close to boredom but always results from one cause, an underestimation of the amount of time the job will take. You never really know what will come up, and very few jobs get done as quickly as planned. Impatience is the first reaction against a setback, and can soon turn into anger if you're not careful. Impatience is best handled by allowing an indefinite time for the job, particularly new jobs that require unfamiliar techniques. By doubling the allotted time when circumstances force time planning, and by scaling down the scope of what you want to do, Overall goals must be scaled down in importance, and immediate goals must be scaled up. This requires value flexibility, and the value shift is usually accompanied by some loss of gumption. But it's a sacrifice that must be made. It's nothing like the loss of gumption that will occur if a big mistake caused by impatience occurs. This sounds like agile to me. Scale down to smaller and smaller bits, scale down the scope, and the work, so you can hit a more immediate deliverable. And this is particularly useful when you're doing a job where you are doing something new. And almost every root cause analysis has a little bit of something new to it. But if you're really getting into something that you you basically have no idea of what comes next until you actually dig in and learn something new, it's tough to put yourself into a time trap because you really do not know what's going to be there. To make projects, design projects, this is the point of Agile. So take a look at episodes 100, 101, 103, 104. Those are all basics of Agile. Then 141 and 142 talk about Lean Six Sigma and or Agile and how they fit together. 
Episode 161-162, this is Project Planning, the Agile and Scrum Way, and 178-179, Agile Requirements Gathering, User Stories, Part 1 and 2. My favorite scaling down exercise is cleaning up nuts and bolts and studs and tapped holes. I've got a phobia about crossed or jimmied or rust jammed or dirt jammed threads that cause nuts to turn slow or hard, and when I find one, I take its dimensions with a thread gauge and calipers, get out the taps and dies, recut the threads on it, then examine it and oil it, and I have a whole new perspective on patience. Another one is cleaning up tools that have been used and not put away and are cluttering up the space. This is a good one because one of the first warning signs of impatience is frustration at not being able to lay your hand on the tool you need right away. If you just stop and put tools away neatly, you will both find the tool and also scale down your impatience without wasting time or endangering the work. Does this sound familiar? 5S, perhaps? Of course. Putting things away, having them be there when you need them. Easily find, most immediately, what you should have, quickly. Take a look at episodes 109, Introduction to 5S. Episodes 110 and 111, 5S on the Brain with Gabrielle's with Gabriela Espanol. This one I, I still find extremely interesting, and it's the science behind what the fMRI shows for brain function in a non-5S versus 5S situation. That is, cluttered and chaotic versus a orderly situation. Take a look at those. So I hope you enjoyed this part two of Kaizen and the Art of Everything. I do have some more. I'm going to try to mix them up a little bit with some standard type of episodes. I'm really just waiting for Jacob to get back from India so we can start recording together again. Uh, In the meantime, I hope you enjoy my solo voice. Just to recap on this episode, journey through gumption, fill up with gumption, avoid the value rigidity trap, prepare a ready mind, and scale it down. Thanks for listening to episode 196 of the E-Success Methods podcast. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comment section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at esuccess-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, then share us with a friend or leave a review. Didn't like what you heard? Join our LinkedIn group and tell us why. Don't forget, you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down. 